When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Oh What a Time, a history podcast that tries to decide if the past was just really, really, really rubbish. Not good enough, in the words of a football manager. That's not good enough, the past. You're not hitting your levels. (laughs) Exactly. I'm Tom Crane. (laughs) I'm Chris Cole. And I'm Ellis James. Each week on this show we'll be looking at a new historical subject and today we're going to be discussing discoveries. Yes, bronze statues in ancient Rome, the Rosetta Stone, the Sutton Who, and proof the Vikings made it to North America in our bonus part this week. And I have to say, I'm, I'm going to say this, this is a brave statement. I think this is my favourite subject we've covered so far. Oh, I'm interested in every single one of these things. I'm just, just poised for history. They're also, they're the, it's the, they're the kind of subjects that I think even if you just... Um, I've got a relatively broad general knowledge and you watch the news. They're, they're the kind of things that pop up. Like you'll probably hear a, a reference to Sutton Who or the Rosetta Stone every few months if you're, if you're kind of a pub quiz person maybe. So finally we're getting to the bottom of it. What is um, the greatest discovery you've ever made? I can tell you what mine is. What? And I do genuinely feel this. It, it's the combination of um, Oreos, uh, salt and vinegar crisps and milk at the same time in my mouth. <laughs> No, this is this no. is the second time you've talked about this. I'm saying no to that. It's the best flavor combination, and I will keep pushing it. That is the discovery that I, on my gravestone, I want anything marked as an achievement in my life. I want it to be that. That's my discovery. It's an incredible, crazy combination that just works. That is absolutely disgusting. Uh, I would say cheddar cheese and raisins. Oh, nice. Does that work? Uh, yes. Um, There's something I, quite confident about saying that's absolutely disgusting and then following up with cheddar cheese and raisins. <laughs> cheddar cheese and raisins. Like something is... you, you try and tempt a mouse out of a hole with. <laughs> <laughs> How does that work? Is that nice? There's a, there's a sweetness to the raisin okay. and there's a cheesiness to the cheddar. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I suppose quince is a fruit-based thing, which goes thank with... So yes. Yeah, that, you know, thank you. Okay, there's... There is there is a past there. And, what uh, are you, and I think the other great discovery in my life yeah. has been Amazon Prime. It? <laughs> it's, not, it's not fashionable to say. You know, it's killed off the high street. An awful lot of our uh, uh, small retailers who are listeners are going to be angry with what I said, but it is very, very quick. <laughs> As a working parent. I mean, for someone who's not particularly organised when it comes to birthdays, it's an yeah, absolute yeah. godsend. It is remarkable, that, isn't it? You can it's have a Lego so set quick. the same day. Yeah. My It'll God. be like 4pm and you'll be like, yep, I can have a hairdryer by 6. What? So it's my son's birthday today and I can have juggling balls by 10pm after he's gone to bed? That is unreal! Admittedly, they're made by a brand I've never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> and there's 3,000 reviews, a lot of them saying, I wouldn't really let my children play with these, but Still, yeah, you know, yeah. needs must. But also, need needs must, and I'm not going into it in a position of ignorance, from a position of ignorance. I know they're exactly. dangerous. 
Uh, little rival I, for that, by the way. And it's very quickly. Um, Argos actually does same day. It's pretty good. That's the other little save. They do, they do same day delivery. If you turn up. Does it? Yeah, it does. It no, does. I did yeah. not know If you're that. feeling slightly awkward about, about Amazon Prime, may I suggest that. What about you, Chris? What's your favourite discovery? I had two big revelations last year. Firstly, both kind of uh, genealogy related. The first one was that I didn't realise Tom Ravenscroft was the son of John Peel. That blew my... I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? And the second one, I didn't realise that Nigella Lawson is the, the daughter of Nigel Lawson. That's hilarious. <laughs> Chris, they've got the same name. <laughs> <laughs> but Come on, mate. They are worlds apart. They're... The, yeah. the name it, being the same doesn't come into it. They are from very different... They're diff- different eras. I mean, obviously. It is difficult to imagine Nigel Lawson, who was, I think, probably the first Chancellor of the Exchequer I remember. Yes. When you think of Nigel Lawson delivering his budget, you know, the the, the big red box, when you imagine him... The eyebrows. Getting, getting, ...getting Nigella Lawson ready for school. <laughs> it's really weird. Exactly. He, I'm not a politics expert. But did he sort of reveal the budget in a really sexy way, in the way that Nigella does when she's doing a cookie programme? Was he really <laughs> sultry with a red box? I thought... Oh, it, so it was because Ken Clark used to deliver his budget with a glass of whiskey, didn't he? Yes, it did. Because they often have a little tot of something. I can't remember what Nigel Lawson's drink of choice was during the, the, the budget. But either way, yeah. I'm not going to go at him. It sounds like I'm about to have a go at him. He's his daughter's considerably more sexy than he is. <laughs> yes, and I, that, yeah, yeah. I, it's not. You know, I'm not the discoveries to... just don't end, do they? Keep coming. I'm not going to go at the man, <laughs> but it's, it is almost impossible to believe physically that. I mean, his wife must have been very attractive. Yeah. And there genetically, I would imagine his yeah. wife was doing the heavy lifting. <laughs> Nigel Lawson's wife is doing a lot of the heavy lifting there in the creation of Nigella Lawson. <laughs> So, today is discoveries. That's what we're talking about today. Um, Have we discovered any great correspondence this week? Yes, we have. Great. Listen, the one-day snog machine has been really firing up our inbox this week. (laughs) Oh, sorry. It sounds like we're doing a sort of lad-based banter pod now. The one-day snog machine. (laughs) You should briefly explain what that is, Chris, and where that's come from. The, The jingle would be bloody horrible, wouldn't it? No, I'm not. I'm not. Go back and listen to previous episodes. <laughs> go, but you basically, would you use the one day time machine to go back and snog someone? And if so, yes, who? And he or she is always consenting and it's fine. <laughs> I, I have a uh, perfectly understandable concern about maybe going back to medieval Britain, for example, when oral hygiene wouldn't have been as good. Yeah. And um, meeting someone you liked and then they taste of turnips. That's my main <laughs> concern. <laughs> A taste of turnips. Turnips and gum disease. Taste of turnip. Mm. <laughs> well, I'll just yeah. read you this whole email in full. It says, uh, Jet from Gladiators, regards Jim. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. We have a slightly what? more thought through. We have a slightly more thought through um, One Day Song Machine. This is from Duncan Millen. I mean, it's a lot of men. Who are taking making use of the one day snog machine? Yeah, I know. It really does speak volumes, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm just, let me just have another Suddenly, look. the lads have started emailing a history podcast. <laughs> uh, 
I just can't see any any ladies who are who are taking use of the Dante stock machine. But okay, we're gonna go, we're gonna go with this one from Duncan Millen. It says for brevity, guys, as all true historians know, the correct answer for one day snog machine is not Marilyn Monroe, but is of course Helen of Troy. Though perhaps more Ooh. lad points if he managed to bag Mary is in the Virgin Mother. Love the show. Doubtless to make it through. Keep up the good work. Helen of Troy. Has he explained why Helen of Troy? Uh, no. Okay. That just sounds like someone trying to be really highbrow at a dinner party. They've been going around the table saying which celebrity you fancy most and people you're naming, you know, models and all this sort of stuff. And then he said, can I shock you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably Helen of Troy. What, who did I have a poster of on my wall when I was a teenager? Yeah. Helen of Troy, actually. Exactly. Yeah, just a figure wow. in Greek mythology said to be the most beautiful woman in the world. Yeah, the daughter of Zeus. Actually, she's, she's, she's got a lot going for her, actually. Yeah. <laughs> No, I don't no. have a Foster's. I'll have another Sherry, thank you. <laughs> uh, her yeah. beauty inspired artists of all times to represent her. Oh, wow. Frequently is the personification of ideal human beauty. Um, I don't think she existed, though. So it's, <laughs> okay. it's, like, it's, like, try, it's like going back in time and, um, I don't know, trying to get off with Scrooge or something. Like an <laughs> no, no, official character. As a teenager, most of my girlfriends didn't exist either. <laughs> yeah, sort of, they were girls you met on holiday. Before. Yeah, that old chestnut. <laughs> exactly. Wouldn't stop me strutting back into school come September with great stories of her. Yeah, I have got a girlfriend, but she is living in Centre Parks in Bedford forever. And no, you won't meet her. No, she hasn't got a landline. She's never been photographed because she's shy. And that is just, you'll just have to take my word for it. Is she fit? Mate, she looks like Helen of Troy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But 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 I, Helena Troy is not a real person though. No. Uh, he's going he's using one day snog machine to go back in time and get off with a drawing. It's very weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you want to go back and snog Betty Boo or anyone <laughs> like that, here's how you can get in touch with the show. Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> All right, you horrible luck. Here's how you can stay in touch with the show. You can email us at hello at earlwatertime.com and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at earlwatertimepod. Now, clear off. All right, so on the show this week, I'll be telling you about bronze statue discoveries of ancient Rome in modern Rome. I will be talking about the Rosetta Stone. At the end of the show, I will be talking about the discovery that Vikings made it to North America in our additional bit for subscribers. And first of all, to kick things off, I'm going to be talking to you about Sutton Who. Who? So, exactly. Sutton Who, well, you'll find out. Uh, Doctor Who's uh, sister or something. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, he's got yeah, Doctor Insert your own gag there. <laughs> Doctor Who's cousin. Uh, okay. okay. Just, just before you launch into this, can I say something? I uh, yes, There do. was a recent film about the Sutton Who discovery with uh, Ralph Fiennes, I think it was. I never remember yes, it. It was. all the names of the Fiennes family. And I had never heard of the Sutton Who, and I was watching this film, having no knowledge of the discovery of Sutton Who. I was like, what? Is this? Did this actually happen? <laughs> yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. It's remarkable. Well, if you've seen that film... 
Chris, you'll have heard a lot of what I'm about to talk, to, talk about. So <laughs> no spoilers for Ellis. So Sutton Hoo, okay, is one of the most important Anglo-Saxon discoveries of all time. And what's kind of drastically important about it is it really shifted the way that people viewed the Dark Ages. It had a real impact. So I'm going to talk to you today about the discovery, because it's quite an interesting story. Um, I'm going to take you back to June 1939, quiet corner of Suffolk, just before the outbreak of the Second World War. So there's a group of amateur archaeologists working in the village of Sutton Hoo, which is near Ipswich. And they revealed an intact medieval burial, complete with a long ship, into which a dead individual had been placed to take them to their journey into the afterlife. Now, can you imagine how exciting yeah. that would be if you were an amateur Absolutely. archaeologist? <laughs> you'd be... You'd be you'd, You'd start digging and you'd be like, oh, this looks good. After a couple of minutes, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Is it another Chris Packet? No, no, it's not. Jesus the beef is going Christ. off for a decent reason. But you it's know, a king. It's literally it's a, a king in a boat. God, I wish we were professionals. <laughs> I'm a little bit worried I'm messing this up. No, absolutely. It's incredible. Um, so... They found this boat into which an individual had been buried, and this boat was to take them on their final journey to the afterlife. Brief question on that. Are we thinking about this? What, what vehicle would you like to be buried in as a way of getting to the afterlife? I'm going, if you're interested, uh, four by four with central locking. Uh... <laughs> because I don't know what the afterlife's going to be like. I want to be able to lock the doors. I want it to be able to deal with certain different terrain. Uh, smart car. Gets you from A to B. Uh... Eurofighter. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> That's good. A bit aggressive, though, for the afterlife. We get there in a minute. Yeah, absolutely. Eurofighter suggests that you're not entirely convinced you're going up to the good afterlife either. <laughs> that suggests that part of you thinks you're going down. And you need, you need to be prepared. You need to be heavily armed. Heavily armed. Turning exactly. up um, in hell. Heavily armed. Come on, then. Let's have it. cruise missiles under each wing. <laughs> that would be a great film <laughs> you get buried with all this heavy artillery and you turn up in hell and you just have to survive as long as you can but also you're like you're blowing Stalin and Hitler to bits <laughs> yeah, yeah and where yeah. does that leave you hell wise <laughs> yeah because yeah. that, isn't that what they want yeah that, like if you're if you're blowing you know some of <laughs> some of history's greatest monsters to bits in your Eurofighter in hell <laughs> Does yeah. God look at that and think, he's probably got himself a promotion to purgatory, at the very least. Yeah. No one has ever gone to hell and redeemed themselves. <laughs> Apart from this absolute <laughs> nutcase, who was incredibly heavily armed. Who chose a Eurofighter yeah. for the afterlife. Bloody Let's say hell. you're allowed to be buried with two objects. One that's going to... You can use in case you go to hell, one to heaven. I'm taking an Uzi. A hand grenade for and hell. the complete works of Shakespeare. <laughs> Would you? Okay, I'm taking sweet chilli sauce for, the, for heaven because it, I need it on, on everything. And then so it's an Uzi and sweet chilli sauce, whatever yeah. way I go, I'm sorted. <laughs> so this incredible find, okay, this incredible find would not have been found if it wasn't for one amazing woman um, who you will have seen in the film, Chris. Her name was Edith Pretty. And... On her ground, for years, she'd been fascinated by these 18 unusual mounds. There were these mounds, basically, in her garden. She just didn't know what they were. Um, she was so interested so much that she spoke to the curator of the Ipswich Museum, a guy called Guy Maynard. 
who agreed that the mounds should be investigated. He thought, yes, there is something unusual about these. So he proposed a local self-taught archaeologist called Basil Brown should lead the project to discover if these mounds contained anything. So the first dig began in 1938, initially just scheduled for two weeks. However, and I love this, Brown didn't have any professional tools. So he, he just used stuff that was in Edith's house. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> including, uh, the first one's a coal shovel, which I like. And the second one's absolutely my favourite, her pastry brush. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think as soon as he got my, pa- as soon as he was getting my pastry brush out the drawer, I'd be thinking, this might not be the guy for the Is job. this guy legit? <laughs> And who doesn't have a shovel? Yeah, yeah. I know even if you're an amateur archaeologist, surely you have a shovel. How amateur are you that you're just using your hands previously? But also, it's so delicate, this stuff, and it's yeah. so fragile. So if you, you know, and that, that is why they've got to be so careful. And because this is such a significant discovery, I don't know if any of this stuff got damaged by a lot of amateurs, but it does make you think, could they not have sent the professionals down? Well, at a point you will see they do arrive. Yeah. Um, would you would you use your pastry brush again if it had previously been used to excavate a Anglo-Saxon <laughs> grave? <laughs> <laughs> or would you go and might get a new one? Uh, Slightly worried it'd be cursed. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good would ever cut. No, you'd never cook a good pastry again. That would be the curse. Notice a tooth between two of the hairs. <laughs> well, you've got friends round. And you're giving them some, I don't know, it's a chicken and mushroom pie. And you're like, there you go. Uh, no, it's, it's actually my mother's recipe. Yeah, no, no. Um, the top, ig- ignore the bits on the top. That's, um, <laughs> as a, as a, as a, as a sideline, I, ex- I excavate Anglo-Saxon burial grounds. Um, just, for, just forget it. Do you know what I would do? I would, I, I would cut the pie open and then eat the middle. Excuse me, there's, there's a hair in my pie. Can I shock you? That's not actually my hair. That's an Anglo-Saxon hair. <laughs> it's that's a hair. years old. <laughs> so initial attention was given to three mounds, okay? And he quickly found pottery and axe and rivets from a ship. And that very quickly made him think, okay, this is a burial site. This, 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 this must be a burial site. Um, and these rivets were sent to Alderberg Museum so they could be compared to another ship that had been excavated um, sometime before called the Snape Ship. And indeed, these rivets were shown to be of a similar style. And so more digging was scheduled for 1939. And when Brown returned in early May, he then turned his attention to the largest mound on the site, which, if I was an archaeologist, is what I'd do first, surely. You'd go, I'll go for the big one. Yeah. But he's gone for the small one first, but that's what's happened. And um, he starts excavating this large mound, and soon more rivets are found and indications that below is buried a substantial ship. Now, you talk about that excitement, Ellis. The idea of scratching away the surface and then finding something as huge as that. It must be... I can't even begin to imagine what that feeling must be like. My degree was in modern history. Yeah. And... When I used to talk to the archaeologists in the archaeology department, I did start to think it's not it's not my area of expertise, and I've never studied it. But doing digs must be fantastic fun, yeah. and it must be really, really interesting. And it's the kind of thing that I sort of, if I wasn't so busy with work and the children, I would love to volunteer at a dig. Yes, because I think everything you found would be exciting. Yeah, it may not be a fair comparison, but think about how exciting a scratch card is. <laughs> <laughs> And there might be 
three little pots of gold, meaning you've won a tenner. Now, replace those pots of gold with an Anglo-Saxon ship. Historic then, scratch cards. Exactly. Uh, when you think about the great discoveries, Tutankhamun's tomb is obviously up there, but it doesn't have the scale of a ship. You know, an yeah. actual seafaring ship. That is real. That's the thing I love about digs is that it's real history. You can touch it. You can see it. Yeah, it's, yeah You know, yeah. it's it's like it's like like that element that item has time travelled into Absolutely. your hands. And also, this item is an item which completely shifted the way that people viewed an entire period of history. Is as as you'll find out. So uh, these indications proved correct. They dusted away, and there was a grand ship under underneath. If I did a dig. What would happen is I would get excited at everything, right? So say my boss was called, I don't know, um, Sandra or Andy. Every yeah. single thing I found, I'd be like, Sandra, Andy, Andy! <laughs> and they'd be like, that, Ellis, is a 50p from 1989. I'd be like, okay, okay, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> you can keep that, Ellis. That's yours. Yes. I found something. It's yes. a scratch card from 2016. <laughs> So they find this grand ship, and as you've predicted, very quickly the national authorities are drafted in to help poor old Basil, um, including the British Museum, Cambridge University, who decided that 1930, in 1939, from July, Charles Phillips, who was a fellow of Selwyn College, Cambridge, he should take charge of the dig. So Basil Brown was demoted. I feel genuinely gutted yeah. for him. Finding a huge ship and then being told, yeah, you and yeah. your pastry brush aren't needed anymore. Basil? Fuck off, mate. <laughs> what? But my pastry... Yeah, go on. Off you go. I bet as he was walking away, the pastry brush hit him on the back of the head, yeah. hurled by someone from Cambridge yeah. University. Well, in fact, he wasn't quite as sad as that, in that he had a brief period before they arrived that he was allowed to continue excavating. In fact, by the time Phillips and the Cambridge team arrived, the entire ship had been uncovered by Basil. He had done that, wow. apart from the burial chamber. So the one bit that was left to be excavated was the burial chamber. And when this new team opened up the burial chamber, they found a treasure trove. They found the Sutton Who helmet, which is just incredibly intricate iron helmet. It's a beautiful piece. Um, if you haven't seen it, do go online. We'll pop it on our Instagram. It's incredible. They found weapons. They found a shield. They found clothing buckles, all this stuff which had been handcrafted, incredible objects. Objects that were such value, they were immediately decided to be regalia, and with most scholars concluding that the man buried with Sutton Hoo was a king, uh, namely a man called Raywald, king of the East Angles, who reigned in the first quarter of the 7th century. That's incredible, isn't it? And these pieces were so important that Edith Pretty immediately employed a team of police officers to stand guard around the site to keep looters away. Um, and soon after, looters. an inquest was... I know, because it, it, it really caught the public consciousness. It, it actually wasn't meant to hit the press. Nobody was supposed to find out about it. But quite interestingly, um, Ipswich Museum, who'd initially been involved in kind of hooking them up with Basil Brown, were so annoyed that they'd been booted out of this work that they leaked it to the press themselves, and that's how the public found out about it. Um, and then an inquest was, was taken to find out who should take ownership of these incredible items. And they were given to Edith. Edith, it was said that as it was her land, Edith owned them. And she donated the entire lot to the British Museum rather than sell them. She oh, could have made fair place endless money, but donated them to the nation so the nation could enjoy them. Interestingly, because she donated them during World War II, 
instead of going directly into display in the British Museum, they were stored in the underground rail network to protect them from bombs. Ah. So they were they were placed under the ground in London in the tube network, so they would be safe throughout. Um, and the nation didn't join them, became completely fascinated by them. And this, this is kind of the interesting point I'm going to close on. The reason they completely changed the way that we view the Dark Ages is because of the worldly nature of the goods that were found inside. So here's some examples. There was a silver platter bearing a maker's mark from Constantinople. There were bowls from the Byzantine Empire. There were spoons from the same empire with Greek inscriptions. There were coins from the Frankish kingdom. There were decorative garments as far away from India and Sri Lanka. That's incredible. We had this idea of the Dark Ages being people just stuck in muddy huts and fighting for their lives and with no idea of culture or travel, all this sort of stuff. But this completely turned the way yeah. people viewed the Dark Ages. Trade and, um, how can I put it, sort of uh, cultural exchange. That's exactly it. Cultural exchange, is that that's the nail on the head. That's exactly what it was. This one find by this amateur archaeologist and this lady who just had a, an, it's just a fascination with these strange markings in her garden and a, and a pastry brush led to a complete shift in the way that people uh, viewed the Anglo-Saxon that period in the Dark Ages. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah. So there you go. That's, that's a discovery amazing. of something who. Really going to have to think of some foreign items to stash in my Eurofighter when I get buried with it. <laughs> <laughs> could be a football top like an Argentina, the one oh, that yeah, Maradona used to wear, well, that sort of thing. There you are. Show of interest in that. Okay, so that's the end of part one. If you want to hear part two now, you can sign up and become an Oh What A Time full-timer by clicking on your app and finding the links or going to owatatime.com just 4 99 a month you'll get full shows on the Monday the whole show in one piece an additional part at the end of every episode first dibs on tickets for live shows that come out there'll be no ads in your feed and other things to boot so do join up if that sounds good to you if not join us tomorrow and you'll hear the rest of the show then uh, and thanks so much for joining us <laughs>